Monday, May 27, 1968. The U.S. Navy Skipjack-class nuclear submarine USS Scorpion is expected to appear off Virginia and make contact with the Norfolk Naval Base. It never does. The wreckage would not be found until the following October, but this didn't provide any answers as to why it had sunk, taking its 99-man crew down with it. Theories abound as to what happened, ranging from internal explosions to structural failure to colliding with a Soviet submarine, but there remains no definitive conclusion. The USS Scorpion is still on the floor of the Atlantic, under three kilometers of water, keeping the secret of its demise with its broken and twisted hull. There it hides more than secrets, however, for as well as containing a damaged nuclear reactor, the sub also possesses two nuclear-armed MK-45 torpedoes. In US military parlance, these weapons are referred to as broken arrows, American nuclear weapons that the US military have lost control of. Given how challenging it would be to safely remove the nuclear weapons, the US Navy instead monitors radiation levels around them to make sure they aren't leaking. The Scorpion is an example of nuclear weapons that the US has lost control over, but know where they are located. However, in today's episode, we're going to look at three cases where the US nukes have not only been declared as broken arrows, but in part or whole, remain missing to this very day. Nuclear weapons unaccounted for. Welcome to Wars of the World. On January 21st of 1968, a US Air Force B-52G Stratofortress bomber, callsign Hobo 28, was flying an armed peacetime airborne alert mission as part of an ongoing operation known as Hard Head. Its purpose was to maintain a visual surveillance of the ballistic missile early warning system at Thule Air Base in Danish Greenland, which provided early warning of Soviet missile launches. It was America's most northerly base, being 700 miles inside the Arctic Circle. The B-52G was armed with four B-28FI thermonuclear bombs, each of which have a maximum blast yield in the region of 1,450 kilotons, over 62 times the power of the bomb dropped on Hiroshima. During the flight, one of the crew carelessly propped up some cushions against a heating vent, and before long, the inevitable happened. The cushions caught fire, which soon began to spread and filled the cabin with smoke, and unable to function, the crew were ordered to eject. The crew attempted to make an emergency landing at Thule, but when this was deemed impossible, they began bailing out over the base. Six made it out safely, but co-pilot Leonard Svitenko was not so fortunate, suffering a fatal head injury as he attempted to leap out through one of the lower hatches. The unmanned plane threw on for a short period before crashing in the frozen ford approximately seven miles from Thule. The violence of the crash and the subsequent fire was enough to break open the cases surrounding the nuclear weapons, releasing radiation into the surrounding area. But fortunately, the safety devices fitted to the weapons prevented a nuclear detonation. 
Nevertheless, the incident severely strained US-Danish relations, as both governments had to admit that nuclear-armed American bombers were flying across Danish-controlled airspace, contravening Denmark's nuclear-free policy, which had been adopted in 1957. Under pressure from the Danish government, the US undertook a major cleanup operation before the Ford melted. Dubbed Operation Crested Ice, the cleanup operation proved extremely difficult for the unfortunate US airmen assigned to it, as the weather was crushingly brutal, with 80 miles per hour winds and minus 70 degrees Fahrenheit temperatures all being recorded as they walked in lines of as many as 50 abreast, scouring for pieces of the aircraft and its radioactive payload. Almost every piece of the plane was accounted for, except, somewhat worryingly, a secondary stage cylinder of uranium and lithium, which in layman's terms are the nuclear fuel components of one of the bombs. Unable to locate them on the surface, it was presumed they sank into the Ford and underwater searches were thus organized, including using a mini-sub, but it was never recovered and remains missing to this day. Fortunately, it is not possible for this unit to detonate on its own without the rest of the weapon instigating it first, so there is no chance of a spontaneous nuclear explosion occurring in the Ford in the future. However, the political fallout of the incident signaled the end of US bombers flying continuous nuclear-armed patrols, the political appetite for such patrols having already been weakened by another B-52 crash two years earlier, in which three B-28FI bombs were dropped on Spain and one in the Mediterranean Sea, although thankfully, all those weapons were recovered. During the 1950s, there was a prevailing belief in military circles that conventional warfare would soon be going the way of the dinosaur, and the nuclear game would be the only game in town. For the US Navy, this mindset presented a threat to their plans for large but incredibly expensive supercarriers, unless they could convince the US Congress of their usefulness in a nuclear war. Consequently, by the late 1950s, almost every attack aircraft in development for the Navy had to have at least a limited nuclear strike capability. One such aircraft that was making its way onto American decks at that time was the rather unassuming and even sporty looking Douglas A-4 Skyhawk. Known affectionately as the Scooter to its pilots, the aircraft possessed a rather lanky-looking undercarriage, and this was intended to provide the aircraft with enough clearance to carry the nuclear weapons of the day, such as the B-43 bomb. The B-43 had a variable yield warhead, which could be tailored for use against different sized targets, the smallest being 70 kilotons, or roughly three times the power of the bomb dropped on Hiroshima while its maximum yield was a single megaton. A megaton bomb is large enough to decimate a city the size of London. At around 1400 hours on Sunday, December 5th, 1965, aboard the aircraft carrier USS Ticonderoga, as it sailed south of Japan and east of Taiwan, Lieutenant Junior Grade Douglas Webster walked across the hangar deck to his awaiting A4E Skyhawk. Sat under the aircraft's fuselage was a single B-43 weapon bearing the insignia Y-1, meaning the weapon was configured for its maximum yield. The carrier was undertaking live weapons handling training to give pilots and deck crews the chance to work with real nuclear warheads. After inspecting his aircraft and its awesomely powerful weapon, he climbed into the cockpit and strapped into his jets with the help of the aircraft captain, 
who was responsible for the machine whilst on the ship. The aircraft was then pushed by the plane handlers onto the elevator that would carry it up onto the flight deck from where it would be launched. But it was here something went wrong. The plane directors who guided the handlers moving the aircraft began issuing the signal for all to stop and for the pilot to apply his brakes, but Webster did not see the signal, instead being distracted by something in the cockpit. The aircraft continued rolling backwards, despite desperate efforts from the sailors to try and stop the aircraft by placing chocks behind its wheels, but this only caused the aircraft to pivot to the right. It then rolled across the elevator and proceeded to fall over the side of the ship, smashing through the steel netting around it, which caused it to flip over and fall inverted into the ocean. The helpless deck crews could only watch in horror as Webster tried to escape from his sinking aircraft, while at the same time, the carrier continued sailing away. The Skyhawk sank upside down, with its skinny landing gear protruding upwards like the legs of a dead insect, taking Lieutenant Webster and the city-destroying bomb with it to the bottom of the ocean. A rescue helicopter and two of the Ticonderoga's escorts searched frantically for any sign of Webster or the bomb, but they found nothing, and to this day, the location of the B-43 remains a mystery. The aircraft and its city-destroying weapon sank in almost 16,000 feet of water, making recovery all but impossible. The United States government did not formally acknowledge the incident until 1989, and given that it happened around 50 miles from Okinawa, the revelation and the fact that it was kept a secret from the Japanese for so long sparked angry anti-nuclear protests in Japan and a diplomatic incident between Tokyo and Washington. The final incident we'll review today is probably the most mysterious, even after 60 years of investigation and research by aviation and military historians. On March 10th, 1956, a Boeing B-47 Stratojet bomber, called Inkspot 59, took off from MacDill Air Force Base in Florida, bound for an airbase in Morocco alongside three other aircraft. The aircraft was transporting two M104 capsules, known to crews as bird cages, which contained the plutonium pits of nuclear weapons, and as these were not fully assembled weapons, the aircraft was technically unarmed during the flight. Inkspot 59 carried a typical crew complement of three men for the flight. It was under the command of 31-year-old Captain Robert H. Hodgkin, and his crew comprised of pilot 2nd Lieutenant Ronald L. Kurtz and observer Captain Gordon M. Inslee. The flight was part of the standard operating procedure for the B-47, which involved the aircraft deploying to Allied bases around the borders of the Soviet Union and their Warsaw Pact allies, thus containing the Communists on their side of the Iron Curtain. Unlike the gigantic Convair B-38 Peacemaker or the new Boeing B-52 Stratofortress, the B-47 lacked intercontinental range, and so the four aircraft had to rely on tankers to refuel them during the transatlantic crossing, which came in the form of propeller-driven Boeing KC-97s. However, being an aircraft of an earlier era than the B-47 meant that the bombers had to descend to the lower levels that the tanker flew at and reduce their speed significantly in order to safely make contact with the refueling boom projecting from the rear of the KC-97. The flight of B-47s had two scheduled air-to-air -air refuelings during the crossing, with the first one taking place near the Azores without incident. 
Completing the task, the B-47s then returned to their cruising altitude of 35,000 feet as they headed for the mouth of the Mediterranean and their next scheduled refueling, which was due to take place west of Morocco. According to testimony of the tanker crew and other aircraft in formation, they had visual and radio contact with Inkspot 59 as they began descending down to 14,000 feet in order to meet the tanker, despite thick clouds in their vicinity. It was only as they prepared to refuel that they realized Inkspot 59 was missing and not responding to any radio calls. Thus, it was presumed the aircraft had, for unknown reasons, crashed during its descent to meet the tanker. All logs taken from the aircraft involved concluded that Inkspot 59 disappeared at approximately 5 degrees west longitude at the mouth of the Strait of Gibraltar. A massive search was immediately launched that included American warships and aircraft, British warships that had been on exercise in the Mediterranean, and French forces that were otherwise engaged in combat operations in nearby Algeria. Some early erroneous reports claimed that the aircraft was heard exploding near the Moroccan coast or flying over the southeast of the country, and so the search also included large parts of the countryside. But it all came to nothing, and to this day, not even a bolt from that aircraft has been found to say nothing of its crew or cargo. Inevitably, given the nature of the cargo on board and the almost magical circumstances in which the aircraft disappeared, a number of theories have materialized over the years to try and explain what happened that day in 1956. One theory puts it that the pilots reduced speed too quickly in order to meet the tanker, thus causing the bomber to stall and tumble into the ocean. But this doesn't explain why no wreckage was ever found. Also, given the altitude they were descending from, they likely would have had time to either correct their mistake or bail out of the aircraft. Either way, they should have been able to alert the other aircraft in the flight of a problem, but no distress call was ever sent, meaning whatever happened to Inkspot 59 occurred suddenly and without warning. This has led to many concluding that the aircraft suffered some catastrophic malfunction, leading to either the fuselage breaking apart or the aircraft exploding. This is not a wholly unreasonable assumption, for the B-47 had a rather startling accident rate, it being at the cutting edge of bomber technology in the mid-1950s, and many of the safety features and operating principles adopted by later aircraft were not yet in place. In fact, just two weeks after this incident occurred, another B-47 exploded after taking off from McConnell Air Base in Kansas, killing all three on board and strewing wreckage across the countryside for miles. Two years later, another B-47 would explode, approaching its KC-97 tanker. While none of the other crews involved in the incident observed an explosion, it is possible that the heavy cloud the aircraft was passing in as it descended obscured the blast. But again, with no wreckage found, it is impossible to prove or disprove. This has led to some of the more outlandish theories concerning the disappearance. A story floated at the time of the incident was that one or all three of those on board defected to the Soviet Union, delivering not only the nuclear weapons components for Soviet engineers to study, but also the advanced B-47. This has been largely dispelled, however, for investigators found no evidence that any of the men on board had Soviet sympathies, and even if they did, they were not made aware of their precious cargo until they were briefed on their flights meaning they had less than 24 hours to plan their escape. The question also remains where they flew, and how did they cross huge swaths of NATO or other countries' airspace without being detected? 
Then, of course, there are the truly wild theories, including UFOs capturing the aircraft to assess the advancement of human technology. Such theories are, of course, inevitable and accompany every aviation mystery. Whatever the truth, the fate of Inkspot 59 remains lost to history. And there you have three stories of America's lost nuclear weapons. Please remember to leave a comment down below with your own thoughts and reactions, and to like this video and subscribe to support the channel. Thank you for watching, and I'll see you next time.